Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. I'm your host, DM Neil, aka Jote Maniac. And today we have a very interesting episode where we're going to talk about flexing your DM muscles. We brought on a returning guest, the GM Tim, someone who I feel does an expert job flexing their DM muscles in the most interesting of ways. You will hear the number of concurrent games that they have run and that they will soon beat that concurrent number. And it is a number that is astounding, uh, but great advice all throughout the podcast of different ways to flex your muscles um, before, during, and after each session. Not only that, but patrons, it's been a long time since I've been able to say that something is coming your way, but at the end of the episode, you will hear Tim and I utilize the Dungeon Master's Guide to build something on the spot, and you'll even hear in the audio, Tim wildly commit to making it fleshed out, look pretty, and be prepared to be available for you, and likely post it on the DM's Guild after the fact. So, watch the Patreon for that it is also apropos that we talk about this subject because you will likely see utter chaos in your podcatching feed because we're going to be rolling DMnastics back into the main feed so that we can just have one a one-stop shop for those episodes and go back to an every week release. Um, but in that state of flux, um, there will likely be some changes, some ups, some downs, but stay with us. We'll be sure to iron all that out one way or another. But rather than keep going, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? The flat meat back on the menu, boys. Today for the meet, we have a very special returning guest, uh, someone who I absolutely enjoy and <laughs> has taken us far too long to get this to work. I'm not going to tell you how awful we are at scheduling, but I find we're really say, bad. <laughs> yeah. So we have the GM Tim. Hi. And, nope. TTRPG professional GM, writer, geek, streamer, book, book, book club curator, and recently became a Roll20 ambassador. Yeah, I know, right? Well. Hello, uh, how are you? I'm oh, good. Okay. I am a Blood Club limb. <laughs> yeah, Blood Club, blah, blah, blah. I love those Blucks. Yes. They're great. <laughs> so, it's been a while. So, how have you been? I mean, that's a tough question lately to ask. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> I, somebody was uh, somebody was like, uh, I heard somebody mention their age, and they're like, I'm 35. Well, 33, accounting for COVID. I'm like, oh, that's so good. Nice. So, yeah. I think I think uh, accounting for the last two years, I'm doing very well. Yes. Um, yeah. And even, you know, with the two years, it sucked. And and hopefully things are slowly getting better, even though it's not actually over. But that's OK. Um, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? Perfect. I, I as miss I t- you. As I told you off, Mike, I've been better and I've been worse. So. <laughs> Yes, but it's a go. It's going good. Got a lot. Got a lot going on, and trying to make even more go on every single day. Yeah, but right. Speaking of things going on, are the things that you're working so on, and and, and the joy that you can actually tell me about, or well, tell <laughs> me about, and then let everyone else hear. 
What can I tell you about? Oh, I can tell you. So my my big like I'm excited for. Uh, I have an Arcadia magazine article coming. Out. Yes, I know. I'm really stoked for it. Uh, I think I think we are issue, issue twenty, and I think that's all I can tell you. Yeah. So my math suggests somewhere in September. I don't know if my math is correct. <laughs> so so I just kind of like. Yes, and my way through. I'm really excited, though. I, I worked on it with two really amazing people from the Hook and Chance podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're fantastic. And we built something that uh, we are really proud of and, and look forward to, like, releasing it out into the wild for people to use in their games. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And then, and then even, like, this week, I don't know when this is recording, so... July 22nd. <laughs> nice. <laughs> my uh, my Dungeons and Dragons drag show comes back. Fierce Adventures. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So if you're in Vancouver or you were in Vancouver and you got to see it, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Uh, yeah. It's super fun. Uh, there is no more chaotic game uh, that I have ever or probably will ever run. I can say that fairly confidently. Uh, then with four drag performers. Uh, where the audience has interactive ability. Ooh. Yeah. So they'll perform like they'll so we'll, like, we'll play D on life. stage. Yeah. It's like Twitch chat. Real life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 We'll play, we'll play on stage and then, and then we'll actually take like the numbers that they want to do and we'll in, interact it into the show. So like the song will be a part of the game or, or reverse, like, Someone did a Celine Dion song and stopped an avalanche from destroying a village. Like that was, and they narrated that and acted it out as they were performing this number. So it was like, it has to happen, right? You can't rule the cool. And then the audience sits there and they get to actually like, you know, they can purchase bonuses that you can add. And it was meant to be for like dice rolls, but somehow it evolved into anytime Tim says a number. So there's, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. Wait, it's like Twitch chat in real life. <laughs> so it got really crazy. At one point, they were fighting negative eight orcs. Uh, so we had eight orcs join their team. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> Sorry, it keeps you on your toes. Uh, my favorite was the crowbar of healing. Wow. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they were going through a series of traps I had set up. And one of them had failed twice in a row, even with inspiration that the audience had given them. And so, and so another one of the performers was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, can I knock them with something to knock them out of the way? I'm like, sure. Why not? So they're like, great. I got a crowbar. I hit them with the crowbar, <laughs> like knock them out of the way, the blade that's going to slice them open. Okay, cool. Right. Like you're, I can't yeah. say no. It's like, oh, action face. No, screw that. Yes. Let's totally do this. So whack away. So they whacked away. They hit and they did like, I think four damage. And then <clears throat> the audience just immediately looks like these negative twos just start popping up in the audience. And so they went down to one and then it went down to zero and then it went down to negative two. And then it went down to negative four and then it went down to negative five. So the person that got whacked got knocked out of the way of the blade and got five temporary points. Nice. So they had a crowbar of healing from then on. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was crazy. You want to learn how to improv at a, at a D and D table, run a, a drag queen yeah. game. Cause they will, 
they will just break you. <laughs> like I've never had a dragon yeeted to death, but I have in my game. <laughs> Give it a yeet. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. How the hell are you going to get that horn off that dragon? I'm just going to yeet it. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah, oh. just yeet it right off. And the audience gave him a 20. Like, okay. I mean, yep. It's got to be done. Yeah, it was crazy. That's, 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 that's that. Star Trek starts in September. Two, yep. two shows. I'll have two shows, Neil. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, so Star Trek Lost Voyages, and and we've got to name the other one still. But it, it's, yeah, it was crazy. I got two ships. We'll be running concurrently and uh, bringing guest stars and two different sort of storylines. And uh, I'm excited. I'm my mini own Paramount Plus. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Paramount Plus-ish. <laughs> I don't know what else am I doing? What else am I doing? I'm doing, I don't know what else I'm doing. What are you doing? What are you working on? It, it, this wonderful podcast. <laughs> and nothing I would want to talk about. Because really <laughs> no, just, I'm not that person. I just don't like doing it. <laughs> it's much, all under the end. <laughs> much much to the chagrin of my wife. I don't, I typically don't talk about things until I think they're a real thing. And she's oh. like, wait a minute. You've been working on a book for like a year? And I was like, yeah, but like until I was like really getting it produced, like what was it? It was just a document. That's no big deal. She's like, yeah, no, that's super frustrating um, <laughs> as the person you live with. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll bring stuff up before then. But what I am working on is this episode. Yes. We've okay. already started talking about it because today we are talking about flexing your DM muscles. And I will say what I am also working on is bringing DMnastics back to the main feed, which I have no idea what kind of utter and complete chaos that will likely mean for your podcatcher of choice as I try and make <laughs> that happen. So I'm going to apologize now and um, <laughs> do the best I can uh, trying to make that um, as seamless as possible. It'll be this wonderful chaos. Yeah. It's blah, 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 blah. And you've already started to allude to probably the most extreme version of flexing your muscles. And yeah. so, so one of the questions I have already based, based off of what you've presented is, are you working with the same people when it's, I mean, obviously it's never the same people in the audience, but like, are you having the same people at the table for those drag shows or? Yeah. So the drag queens, the, the drag performers, we've got three queens and one king. They are all the same people. Uh, every week we'll sometimes bring in a guest and sometimes uh, so we'll bring in like just anyone it doesn't have to even if you're like i've never done drag great you're gonna do it this night and then you can come in and play and we were even so in the before times we had been going really solid we had a monthly kind of like game um a venue that was like ready for us and uh we were even going to start doing like guest dms so i was gonna like i'd become part of the audience or on like weeks when i have to <laughs> here's like a, a flex without a GM flex <laughs> weeks when I'm like at D and D in a castle, <laughs> you know, and things yep. are still happening, then, then we can still do the show. Right. And that was the whole point. So we are going to bring in like guests and stuff like that, but otherwise it's the same people. And then for my, for my streams, it's also the same, like you get your same sort of crew and you kind of go with that. But I think that flexing as a DM or a GM is something that, can be done regardless of whether or not you have the same people or not. 
I think the change comes in with the more consistent the players are with you, that means that they are more likely to also flex because they realize that you're going to be comfortable with them doing something chaotic and you're going to be able to like accommodate that. And they'll know you well enough to know where your accommodations will limit, right? Like, so they won't throw out like, I'm going to fly. Well, you, you, you cannot fly, right? Like you will fall with style and I will make you take damage, right? <laughs> like, like, so yeah, it, it's that kind of like balance that ends up happening. Yeah. I think that's, it's a really good point. Like their comfort level will increase the boundaries at which they think that they can operate. So I, yeah, I think it's a, a, a super valid point is that obviously you as the DM having no clue what the, what the person on the other side of the table will or won't do. Obviously this is going to flex your muscles, but it's a great thing to think of. No, the people that have been playing in your game for 10 years are likely going to flex your muscles because they don't think that they have any limitations anymore. They're just going to try things. So like literally yesterday, they're trying to sneak into a Sahugan complex and they end up by by sheer luck choosing the best the best path to go into the complex. But it's like the seat. In theory, it's the secret exit that you should use, but now they're using it as the entrance. And there's this giant undead, uh, or not dead, it's just dead. It becomes undead, and that's the whole flex. Yeah. There's this giant dead eel that theoretically is blocking this exit, but now it's blocking their entrance. And I'm kind of like, oh, I wonder how they'll clear that out and then move this slab, yada, yada. And I was like, yeah, you know, already thinking, okay, what what are they going to do? And then the player is like, oh, I cast animate dead on it perfect like absolutely you do he's like oh it only works on medium creatures is it a medium creature yes i don't know but yes the answer it, is it'll work ab- yeah absolutely i'll tell yes. you what spend an extra slot and we'll make it allow for a large creature yeah and so yeah. so then they used it and he's like oh okay and then yeah so now this thing's just going around with him he's like yeah i know it can't like i can't keep it forever because we're underwater right now <laughs> um but like it's super fun while we can and yeah so now there's just this undead giant eel going with them and then that that was solved you know immediately did you still make it become their big bad oh i totally would have i would have i would have just full-on been like and this thing starts to eye you up as you feel your magic start to lessen <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I said. I said, I said, look, and I say, look here. I just want you to read through the spell just so you know what you've gotten yourself into. If you don't do all the right things. This thing will just decide that you should die. You more than anyone else in this world. So just, just, uh, just keep that in mind. It wants to be with you forever. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, that like, that flex of both the known and the unknown, I think is like one of the, probably the best starting points for the, for the conversation. So my other thought was like was, and you brought it up and it is the ultimate flex. Don't get me wrong, but um, D and D in a castle, because <laughs> yeah. it flexes the muscles in an interesting way that I don't think happens as often now as it did 10, 20 years ago in that. I remember I used to drive, um, so I live in Central California. I would drive up to the Bay Area, and I would literally go into a house. And there were there were a couple times I did not come back out of that house for three days. Like <laughs> like a friend and I would go on a trip. It was the D and D trip, and we would go, and there would be like four or five of us, and we would just play 
the entire weekend. Sometimes we'd go outside, sometimes we wouldn't. But but that that's such a different flex. Because like how do you possibly prepare in an effective manner to continue to run a game for multiple days in a row? D D in a castle. Yeah. So with people you don't know, that's the other people thing. I don't know. Yeah. So you you start to know that there there is a, there is an element of like so uh so I do know who my group is. They've gotten really good. So this is their third year, and and my third time going. Very very lucky and honored. Like sincerely, I I, I was talking I was talking with like, I run a game for a group of sixteen year olds. Um, it's the only group oh, of like young people that I will run. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, and someone who literally babysat only two children, ever, yeah. And I was like, "This is it. I'm, I won't do. It. I will abs- outright refuse <laughs> for anyone else." Like this, yeah. Is I'm sure them. kids are great. They're just not my thing. So that's you know, like I, I, I. But they, this kids with like, like uh, I'm bored over the summer. I'm like, great. Let's let's um let's come up with some ideas for for D and D in a castle. Oh, so nice. he's. He's uh, I'm showing him how to kind of like create because he's one of those people that thinks that he can't do it. Like, well, I don't have any creativity. It's like, no, that's not true, man. I've watched you play. Right. So here's how you do it. And so we grab the DM book and I help. But I'm scatterbraining again. But the the thing with the thing with like the castle is like I know who I know who is going to be playing and we're going to do a session zero. And I like I think this week, actually. So we're going to build characters. So I'll know what their characters are. And then I'll kind of like craft to that right that said the second adventures that i did in 2019 we had done exactly that we got to the game halfway through the first episode there was an in joke about a bakery and the and the group had decided that they had a bakery as a front and they were and that was the idea that it was meant to be a front but then the bakery became the plot driver so they were like going on adventures to find berries. And it was truly meant as a joke that just went. So everything I prepped was scrapped. I had to rewrite on the fly at the castle for the next three days. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it worked. Like it was epic and amazing and so, so stupid, but like so good. I somehow managed to tie a bakery and a Dracolich. That's pretty much all I'm going to say for that one because it's their adventure and I don't want to like share it, right? Like there's something special about D&D in a castle. I think that that should kind of like stay a little bit there, but yep. yeah. Yep, I agree. Yeah, and it also makes me, so it makes me think of one of the, the other things is like w- one of those, uh, okay, so I don't always, I don't always do this and I just because I, <laughs> I feel a little uncomfortable sometimes if I go too far this direction. Sometimes I'm like, man, you got to figure out where the line is playing with these gym memes. But but the whole idea is like flexing the muscles. Like you can only be as good as the, the tools, and if you will, the weights that you're given. So one of the tools that I often use regardless of, of my knowledge with them and long-time listener, listeners will know and i'll give you this tool to potentially use at DD in the castle and it's what i call the note card method where i basically give every literally taking notes okay give every single person at your table a note card ask them to write down three things that they would like to see in the next session throughout the campaign whatever whatever frame you need that to be 
promise them that yes, I will incorporate at least one of these things from each card. But that's the most I can promise is because oftentimes things counteract. But it gives you this huge gauge of exactly what that person sitting in that specific seat would like to see once you start. Like a wish list for items. I do that too. That yeah. way I can integrate the item finding into the actual game rather than just like, here's the item you wanted. Yeah. And I remember one that like really just was so left field um, was a basically like a sentient ooze that they wanted in the game. And I was just like, I, I, I would yeah. have never, ever, never, ever. Um, and then that was <laughs> one of like by far the most beloved characters once I incorporated them into the campaign. So uh, I had one of those. His name was Stanley. Yep. They had him wear a hat just like in the, is it Monsters, Inc.? That has the ooze? Oh, yeah. Or yeah. aliens. Alien versus monsters, maybe. I think it's aliens versus monsters. Anyways, yeah. 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 I love it. That's great. Uh, I, I You probably hear my pen writing over the mic. I'm literally like writing this down. No, perfect. Uh, do you want to know one of my um, my tools? Yes, I do. Okay. So mine is called the Tim game. <laughs> it's arrogant. No, no, not really. It's, it's more like uh, I had one of my players coined that phrase because they were playing with other people and then they came to my table and I did this and they're like, Oh my God, this is like, what did you make this up? I'm like, cause I, I was like, yeah, we're going to play a little game to get yeah. you into the mood. Right. I struggle when players uh, come to the table. Like I'm a lone wolf. I am. Oh, a- yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm a force of chaos in the world. Okay. Look (laughs) cool. Yeah. Cool. Why are you sitting at the table? Like, like if, if that's your game, then you should go play by yourself. Cause that's not, that's not a, you can't do that as a team. Right. Well, I always, I always say like, Oh, cool. So you made an NPC. Yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, exactly. I'll take that. I'll use it later. Uh, what's yeah. your character? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so what I did was I made this. I made this kind of like game where they had to interact with each other's characters rather than come up with something on their own. So I'll never touch the golden box of an NPC, like a player character, right? Like that. That paper is, in my mind. I can like this will work better for you. Try this instead, but I will never be like you can't do that, right? Like for the most part, after we've created characters, right? So that's why we do it kind of together. But in character creation, it's very much a a like. Uh, so let's say that you and I are characters, and we built our characters, and we have no connection between the two of us during character cr- creation. So I would look at you and I would say, okay, uh, give me one sentence on your first mission with the group. What was, what, give me one sentence on the, on the first adventure the group went on together. We made it by the skin of our teeth. Great. Perfect. And now the next person has that sentence and can build on it, give another sentence or literally come up with something out of left field right but you kind of like but by the end of it you've got four to five sentences which is a paragraph on your first adventure as a group now your group has an instant history and everything you do from that point on you can tie back and build upon it like yeah but remember that time we got by the skin of our teeth my god that was so close and you can never say anything else other than that like you don't need to actually explain what it was that happened um, but it forms a group instantly. Like it makes, it gives you a group history and a group dynamic 
Because the next person could say, yeah, and it was your fault, right? <laughs> like, like, right? Like that's that's all they have to say, right? Yeah. And 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 then the other one that I like to do is I like to do a personal question. So that's the group. And then individually, I'll say, like, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna everyone take your character and pass it off to the left. I learned this from do you play other I, I I'm a big proponent of other RPGs. Oh yeah. Um I think that the more RPGs you play, the better your D&D gets. D&D is like the grandfather of all gaming, but you wouldn't take your grandpa to skydiving most of the time. Yeah. Right. So, so it's not there for everything and for everybody, you should be doing other stuff. Um, and there's one that I really love by Steve Kenson and it's called icons superheroes. Uh, it's a superheroes game. It's so, so good. But the, the, once you've built your characters, you pass it to the left and the person to your left builds that superhero's supervillain. Oh, so you okay. have no connection to that nemesis that was created beyond what that person interprets from your character sheet, right? And I always thought that was really cool because now you have to role play that dynamic that you had no foreseeable control over. So you can't manipulate what you want to have happen. You can't put your own biases into that, that yeah. sort of future. So uh, I'm trying to come up with a way to do that with villains for this, for D&D as well. But for the, for the party, I'd like to take your character pass to the left and then I'll go around the table and ask everyone a question about how their character interacts with the character in front of them. So if I gave you my character sheet, I'd be like, tell me about a time. And it's all tell me about a time scenarios. Cause now you have to kind of give a kind of like situation, right? Tell me about a time when my character made you laugh so hard that mead or milk came out of your nose. Right. And it's super simple questions. And you just ask everyone one of those and you go around the table. And once you've done now, everyone has a group dynamic and a personal link to another character in the group. And it can be as deep as one night of carousing, they let loose a secret and they told you, and then you follow that up with two. Like, so do they remember telling you the secret and have you told anyone else? Right. And then if, if they, if they haven't told anyone else, then you get that player to write down what the secret is and hand it to the DM. And then the DM can give it to the other character. And then the other character has to enact it. Right. And you want to make sure that at the table, you set the boundaries of like, look, no unnecessary, like X card rules are in effect. Right. Like this isn't a, this isn't a free for all in like social conditioning. Right. We're, we're like, we're here to have fun. So let's keep it light and have fun. Right. But you end up with some really cool stuff, right? Like, and one, <laughs> I did it to one. I did it to one person, and they're like, "The secret was that noble was so angry. I don't know if we can ever go back." Like that was the secret, and and they didn't. They they dictated that they hadn't told anyone else, and they dictated that the other the other character didn't remember. Ooh. So so and I gave it to the other character, and I said, "Like you don't remember this. You don't remember telling them this." You remember the situation, but you don't remember telling them that. And then we just let it go. And they, that noble became the big bad in the game because it was so, so easy to just kind of draw off of, right? But yeah, it's, it's a cool way to kind of like just create this randomness in your game, but still have a little bit of control over it. And you instantly feed your DM nerd self so you can build on it for the game beyond here's a monster, go slay it right? Which is the base quotient of D&D, right? Like that's, it's not hard to go find a skeleton. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to have character interaction <laughs> beyond you look trustworthy, care to join us? Your, yeah. cape is, your cape is red, not blue this time. Fantastic. Wizard. Uh-huh. 
Look at, look at that bag of hit points. When you hit it, experience <laughs> falls out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So the other one. So I guess this is this is pseudo surprise question. It's just a question I know I can ask you. Is yeah, what is the highest number of concurrent games you've been running at one time? <laughs> uh, so the highest number of concurrent games I've been running at one time is nine. Okay, that's what I thought the answer was. And as of mid September, it will be ten. So I will have two weekly games. I'm going to get this wrong. I'm going to have two weekly games. I'm going to have two streams. I'm going to have multiple monthlies and multiple biweeklies. And I don't remember the, the mix up. That's why I'm not listing them off, but yeah, no, totally. I, uh, I will have a lot going on and I'm not afraid to say that I have, I have ran the same game more than once. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. At the same time. Oh, sure. <laughs> there was a lot of groups going through Chult when that first came out. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, it's good. Like I I'm I'm uh, I'm totally in love with the amount of games that I do and there's something about it that like there's an exhaustion that happens, but it's like it's a good one. And I don't feel I don't feel that drain that I do like a, I love going to conventions, but I have definitely noticed not going to conventions of the last two years has changed the way that that I run my games because there's an amount of like just like hard go, go, go that doesn't really happen when you're doing your own games. And I forgot what that was like to not have that kind of like do a game for a weekend, feel drained for a week and then and then have to kind of like recoup back into your own games, right? So I don't feel that same drain that I used to, but uh, you know, every now and then it's like I, I saw this I saw this tweet the other day that I actually enjoyed um rare let's normalize a DM taking a 20 to 30 minute break mid game to catch up to the player's plot. And I thought that was really cool. I think that's I think that's a new tool that I'm going to try and start doing. So I think I'm going to just warn everybody, look, if you take things off the rail, we're taking a break so that I can catch up and put us back on track or change my station. <laughs> yeah. It, so it makes me think of um and I I mean don't get me wrong. I like I like both versions of what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say the, <laughs> like the negative connotation one and, and adapt it to a more positive connotation one. Sure. Um, but the PC, PC stands for plot corrupter. Um, but in a lot of ways, nice. PC can stand for plot corrector. Oh, because, yeah. Because you can only, I mean, you know, I'm taking my best guess every time I sit down at the table or I plan something because it, there are certainly elements that like I'm wanting to see, but at the same time, I, I'm having to or I'm getting to try and adapt that to the. So for me, it's six like that. That's my table size is I'm adapting what I'm trying to make to these six people. But at the same time, like I only can guess what they really want to happen. So, yeah, PC plot correct. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, somebody was, uh, I, I always found it interesting when somebody like complains about a DM railroading the game. I, I, I hate that that term is considered a negative thing. Cause I think that, I think that we forget that like trains, trains are, are cool. cool and they're insanely effective. Like they do exactly what we need them to do. They get you from point A to point B. But if you think about it, 
it doesn't really. It's not just one stop. You never go from one place to only the other. You're going to stop where you want to, right? So I think that railroading is not something we should be negative for. I think that we should be concerned when the game master forces you to stop at a location you weren't ready or wanted to stop at. Well, I I also think about like uh, this is a wonderful analogy, and I really hope people enjoy listening to what what we're doing. But I also think of the idea of like there's a big difference between you're free to move about the cabin. Like, sure, there's there's this other car that's over here that has all of these things. You can get up and you go over. That's something very different than no, you need to stay in your seat the entire time this train is going from point A to point B. Yeah, that's the railroading that I think people think of is like, no, 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 you're in your seat. You can look out your window. You can maybe look across and look out that window, but that's all you got. And that's just not how anyone runs it. Like, because like you said, if it's not on some sort of rails, then what, then it's just. But it doesn't go anywhere. You go in circles, right? Like, a, a, well, a train without tracks doesn't move. It, it's, it's there to look at. It's not there to use. Right, unless you turn it into like an ice cream shop or something like that, and then it's a whole other game. But my, I just I was going to play this one. It was a troll. And it, it's some of the best chili cheese dogs I've ever had. But, but see, but, that, yeah. but, but you turned it into a one shot. That's not a you turned it into a one shot. Exactly, it's not going anywhere. Right, it's there for like limited use. Um, uh, have you ever used the? Like, I, I'm serious with this. Have you ever actually used the DM guides? Roll charts. Yes. Do you use them on the fly or do you use them when you're struggling for a plot or a story or when you're exhausted and can't come up with an adventure location or idea? So I've used them pre-game, not mid-game. Usually what I'll what I'll do mid-game is I, I try and have a, a DM screen. So like I so I'm running through Ghost of Saltmarsh. I have the silver edition from Beetle and Grimm. So I have the DM screen is made for the campaign. So it has yeah. charts and stuff. So like when the they wanted a new boat and I'm like, I don't know how to name boats. Oh, the, the, yes, yes, yes. That's yeah, a so great like, chart. Yeah. And so I roll and I'm just like, all right, you have this entire boat crewed by dwarves called the soul of winter. And they're like, Oh, oh that's so cool. And I'm like, yeah, it is cool. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I actually had them, the, not this past session, but the session before play as the dwarves who were distracting. Um, and so that was, so then I had, I already knew what exactly what the ship name was. They knew what the ship name was. And so then I just added a few NPCs and off we went. Do you want to, do you want to do one with me now? Cause I, yes. I do you want to like do you want to like flex and nerd a little bit? Shall we? I, I'm in. Okay, because I think I think that this is something that like a lot of DMs either don't have. If you don't have access to a dungeon master guide, um, I totally understand. But I can almost guarantee you, your public library will. And go and go and just like look at this charts because these are some of the best sort of spaces. There's two sections that I like live for lately. One of them is called the uh, the dungeon location. We literally, we'll build. We're going to build a dungeon, and the other one is your town, and you're going to build a town that's kind of like near or outside of it. Do you have D and D Beyond up? That's the other place yes. you can find it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So was, on D and D Beyond. Also, oh yeah. Go ahead. I was quickly scrolling the basic rules to see what's available, and it doesn't. It doesn't look like the the charts are in there. 
No, they're not. They're not for you have to have the DM guide, unfortunately. So that's that's why I said, like, I, I understand if you don't have it, um, but your your public library will I, I, almost guaranteed or, or the local game store might have a used copy you can look at. A lot of them have that. So there is access out there um, if you do not have the book. Um, and this is not a must. This is just a thing that you can kind of like practice. You can also find a lot of stuff like this online. Just do like location generators and it'll kind of do it for you. But the goal of this isn't to like have something done for you. It's to kind of like make you think as you go. That's the whole point. What section of the book am I headed to? So uh, if you have the book, you're going to go to page 99. If you have the D&D Beyond, you're going to go to chapter five, adventure environments, section, building a dungeon. Now I have to go to D&D Beyond to make sure I said it right. <laughs> I'm literally looking at the book in front of me. <laughs> dungeons, building a dungeon. Just dungeons, building a dungeon. Yeah. All right. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, roll me a D100, my friend. Hey, Siri. Roll a D100. <laughs> okay, 27 this time. <laughs> uh, well done. <laughs> I almost bought an, uh, was, is it, is it Amazon? Is that the one where you can say play D&D with me and they'll actually start rolling a character for you? Oh, no way. So is it yeah. Alexa? Yeah. Alexa. Yeah, there was, I almost did it. Um, uh, I was so close and it was like, but I can't Amazon. Okay, okay, let's, let's, let's. Oh, 27. Jesus. 27, beneath a temple. Okay, I liken this. So we're beneath a temple. This is the starting location for this quote-unquote dungeon. Now, keep in mind, a dungeon does not have to be a dungeon. It's not Dungeons & Dragons, literally. Although, it is fun to bring a dragon into every D&D game. I'm just going to throw that out there. If you have a campaign, make sure you have a dragon. There's something uh, people forget to do that, and, and, and it will literally change your game. It will also, I will say, people forget to do it because there's an assumption that it's been done, that you have people yeah. who play for an extended period of time and bring up like, oh, yeah, I've never actually fought a dragon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, wait, what? How? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so now I want you to give me a D20 to see who built this beneath a temple location. Okay, so wait, what, which one am I rolling? Uh, so give me a d20. Okay, d20. Uh, and I got a 17. Okay, so a lich built this under a temple. <coughs> the lich, we're just going to throw that out there. A lich is a level 21 challenge rating. So this is like a serious BBEG. Like this is, this is a potential campaign baddie um, or a wicked one shot. Yeah. Okay, so we've got a lich who's created a, a, a thing, a dungeon, underneath a temple. Um, for S and G, why don't you just give me a D20 to let's, let's use the cults and religious group to see what the temple is for. I got a four. A four. So it's an elemental air cult. So the temple is to an the element uh, to the to a temple. It's a temple of an elemental air. How are we going to do this? The lich was draining. So, okay, hold on. Yeah, yeah. So my other thought was like this can this could be because it's hidden beneath the temple. My first thought was actually 
is this a an active temple like not yeah no issues no nothing it's just it does whatever that temple is meant to do but hidden beneath it is this cult to this elemental air but like the lich isn't there like this is what you find this is what you find to start that campaign with the lich as the bbeg down the road so we're gonna we're gonna actually have that answered okay i'm ready yeah yeah okay so we're gonna let's let's so we're on we're in a we got something here there's something going on here uh and because of the lich a lich oh god tim's gonna get this wrong and there's gonna be internet madness about it a lich used to be a humanoid correct yes Great. So for another S and S and G, why don't you just give me a D20 to see what class that Lich used to be? Because that Ooh. might help determine kind of like the vibe of the Lich. 12. So the Lich used to be a rogue, <laughs> which strikes me as amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Nor- normally, uh, normally you just, like, I just feel like every Lich is somewhat always a sorcerer well always always a a wizard and like the word that kind of comes to to mind is opulence like there's always these robes and these adornments and these this and this and this yeah a a rogue lich is way (laughs) right Right? so this guy used to be a rogue (laughs) i just had this image in my head of a lich hey you want to buy a wristwatch Ah, come on down (laughs) all i need is your soul (laughs) all right so now we're gonna figure out so we've got a we've got a previously rogue lich who has a dungeon underneath the temple uh let's find out its purpose so what is the purpose of this dungeon beneath the temple so give me another d20 please two it's a lair so layers where monsters live typical layers include ruins and caves so what if this earth or this air elemental temple is on top of and including an ancient temple to like some sort of like titan type deity like like ancient greeks right and the temple is like the catholics did where a church is built upon an old druidic space so they did it the same way and this lich was like been living there from before the temple was built and they've done something to wake him up the uh the same thing happened at the louvre where they're like oh we should dig down oh there's this like even older museum underneath it um, we'll leave most of it and we'll make a mall down here. But uh, we, we did find the, something even older beneath what is already there. Have you been to the Louvre? Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Uh, and I'm not trying to say that like everybody should go, but it's like it's one of those things where it's like it's it's amazing. Um, anyways. Uh, OK. Dungeon history. Now the history of this dungeon. So like. It, it can help us kind of like the keynotes, the why it's like the what's happened in the past or even present. Is that a 20 as well? It is a D20, yeah. So I also got a two. Okay. So it, it says it's abandoned by creators. Huh. So what if you used to be a rogue? Every rogue I know has loot. They're kind of like the player, player edition of a dragon. They have a horde. They have it somewhere. What if this rogue had this hiding spot that they had built before they became a lich or even found out that they had this spot and became a lich or made this spot as a lich? That's why they became a lich, to make this spot. 
the temple kind of got created over top of it. And something the elemental group has done has broken in. And while it was abandoned by its creator, is now like open to them and has alerted this lich of like, oh, hell no. Well, yeah, I think of like a like a secret cache of like to operate in the city that this temple that this layer underneath this temple is in. Like everything that they could need to like operate here is there. But, you know, like you said, they're this ancient lich. So ah, whatever. But then it pops. It pops like, wait, who's in my what now? Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. You also just said something really cool where you're like, you're like, hey, this temple is in a, in a city. And in my brain, this temple was like, like Oracle of Delphi kind of thing. Okay. So in my brain, I had it all off on its own. And you're like, no, this is right down. I love that it's like in a city. Well, yeah. So yeah, no, my idea was that like, it is just fully operational. No questions, no issues, but somehow they find that secret cache and stumble into it, then setting things off. That's amazing. Um, uh, so that leads into the next kind of place. Let's let's roll right now to see how big this city is. Give me a, just a D4. This is my own kind of like thing. It's not in the book. So just a, oh, it is. No, it's not. A two. <laughs> a two. So we're going to make this like uh, just a town. Okay. So it's not like, you know, village, town city metropolis just a d4 kind of gives you and then kind of like helps you kind of shape how big it is then you don't have to overthink it um but a town would be perfect for something like this uh okay so let's really quickly so we don't like because you can do this on your own but let's let's kind of like what is the what is the notable trait of this town so give me a d20 roll to see what the notable trait on this town is and if you're following along you're going to scroll or flip pages um uh, to the settlements section um 12. It's page 114 of the book and in settlements, random settlements in the D&D Beyond. Um, and 12 is center of trade for one specific good. Um, and the next D20 kind of rolls right into that. So, so I want you to roll D20 and it's known for its. And we're going to make that the good that, it's, that it trades. 14. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't found it. So this is more exciting for me because I'm like, I'm 14. Okay. so it is education. So it is known for its education. That's what the and temple it, is. It's a school. Yeah. So I'm going to change it from, uh, we can leave it at cult if you want, but I think that, I think that cult has a negative connotation to it. Um, so you could be as a DM, it could have fun with that and play into the kind of like the meta explanation of what a cult actually is versus how we deem it inside each day and not make it this bad thing. I'm right now, I'm vibing that this is like a bunch of good people. Like oh, I'm yeah, feeling totally. like, yeah, I have this image in my head that they actually like summon air elementals in order to like utilize the benefits of, of an air elemental in town. Like instead of like an ox, they'll use the air elemental to pull carts. Okay. So I, so I have a contextual question. Yeah. How much Naruto have you watched? None. I don't know what that is. Okay. It's an anime, right? Yeah, it is an anime. Yes. Yeah. Um, so basically certain characters inside the anime be, have certain relationships with creatures that they summon. So Naruto, the main character is trained by someone else to summon frogs. Basically. When awesome. He, when he very first starts out, he like summons a frog that's like the size of his palm. Eventually, he 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 you know, as anime are wont to do, eventually summons one that is like the size of a town, a Goliath toad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So 
what if that's what this school is about? Like this school is specifically geared towards summoning air elementals because that relationship has been formed back and forth with them. And and again, like everything can be used for a bad thing because once you summon it, it kind of has to do what you say. Sure. We we could even say that the town is like the temple is connected to the school. So it's like a temple to teach you how to commune with the elemental and the school is to teach you how to use it. And then this dungeon that we've got with this lich who's abandoned it is underneath this temple. And we can leave it, I think, even saying more that the people who run the school might know about it, but the students don't. Like you could go even deeper, right? Like let's do one more and then and then we'll we'll leave it at the flex. So so give me the current calamity that's happened in this town. Oh, nice. D20? Yeah. Six. Six. So there's been a plague or a famine that has potentially sparked riots. And now there's your hook for why the characters are coming to the the, the town as well. Yeah. So now you've got a hook. You've got a town. You've got a basis for a plot. You've got an idea. You've got a potential bad guy. You've got a location. You've got two. You've got a religion. You've got an education system you've come up with. And you did it all from what seven charts? What well, and, and uh, the temple is by far and away the, the biggest touch point that people would know about this town. It's guaranteed the, the place where if anybody's going to know anything about anything, well, it's known for its education and trade. I think we, that's kind of cool. I want to see if I can use this. Done. Should we try and write this up? I'm going to list. I'm going. Yeah, I'm. We're going to try this up. So, uh, so uh, I, I, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to commit. I'm going to commit for you, Neil. I'm going to yes. commit. So. By the time, oh God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. By the time you're listening to this, you should be able to, how would we find this? How would you get this? There'll be a link in the show notes. Okay. So by the time you, uh, by the time you get this, by the time you listen to this, uh, uh, I'll have this up. You can, you can either, if you're a patron of, of the show, then, then you're going to get the link. Um, and if, and if you're, if you're not, then you can go buy it on DM skill, but we'll have this, like this written up for you. Uh, and I'll even make it look pretty. Oh my God. I can't believe I just said that. Uh, I, I hope it looks pretty. Perfect. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Done. So, uh, on that note, I feel like we've already done one of my favorite things and the homework is get access to some charts, be it the, D- the dungeon master's guide be it somewhere else, use those. Because that's the thing is like, you don't always want to flex. You don't always want to flex your muscles right when you need to do heavy lifting. It's you yeah. need to flex them more than that or else it's going to be a bad bad time. And you could do this anytime. That's the thing. You don't have to use this stuff. The point of it is to get your kind of like creative juices flowing so that you can kind of like, oh yeah, if somebody says something, I can just come up with something. Like you can use your players at the table as the, as the roles, right? They'll say something. You'll be like, oh, what if this happens? And then just make a note down on your paper in front of you. Perfect. So my final question, though, is where can people go to see, it all, see and experience all the things that you are doing? <laughs> um, so uh, on, I think, every social media, I'm at the GM Tim. T-H-E-G-M-T-I-M. Um, so I have a Twitch stream. Uh, it's it's quiet right now because, like I said, I don't start the next season until September. Um, uh, my Instagram, my Twitters, you can go to my website, thegmtim.ca. Yeah, come read some books with me. I, I love my books. Um, I'm actually going to start <laughs> writing the reviews. Yeah. 
Yeah, I use a I use a dice system for my reviews. So so I don't believe that you should rate a book based on whether it's good or not because it's too subjective. So what I do is I I use it as a dice system. So I compare it to a dice and how much you use that dice out of a set of polyhedrals, and how how much it can add to your games or not. Yeah. I like it. Okay. Anyways, yeah. That's all we got for right now, but I absolutely will have you back on in one way or another. Hooray! I will absolutely be here in one way or another. That sounds weirder. Nope, I like it. (laughs) I just want to thank Tim again for coming on, spending some time with us, talking to me, having just a genuinely good time recording, and of course giving tons of great advice on different ways to stretch, lengthen those muscles, prepare for the next time when inevitably you will have to flex them. And of course, if you want to tell us about how you've been flexing your DM muscles, the number one way to do that is head over to DungeonMasterBlock at gmail.com and we'll respond to those emails. Of course, if you wanted to leave an iTunes, an iTunes review, you can't. That's not a thing. But if you wanted to leave an Apple podcast review or a review and or rating on your podcatcher of choice, we would absolutely love that because word on the street is that is the most helpful thing to do. And of course, if you want to follow us on the proverbial social medias, we are on Twitter at DMS underscore underscore block. We're on Instagram there. We're on Facebook. If you look up DMS block, you will find us. As always, the Dungeon Masters block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows like Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, Detentions and Dragons, DMnastics, and more. As always, thanks for listening to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. I'm DM Neil. Good night, good luck, and keep on Dungeon Mastering. Goodbye.